you like bought this table just so you could play Magic the Gathering? Okay, way to call me out. Well, like, first, many- first five fucking seconds. Yeah, I bought it to play Magic the Gathering. I'm a nerd. Yeah, how many times a week do you play Magic the Gathering? Uh, 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 probably only like one or two nights. How so? How long is one Magic Gathering game? How long is one Magic Magic the Gathering? Uh, I don't know. It takes about if you're playing Commander, which is what we usually play, like three hours. So there's different levels. Maybe there's different. This is a very is, complicated subject. Well, I don't know. I've never played. So, okay, what what is the level of nerd? Like, do you get into Dungeons and Dragons first, and then you go to Magic the Gathering? I think it's the other way. I think Magic the Gathering is more introductory than Dungeons and Dragons, but they're owned by the same company. Fun fact. Which one came out first? Um. Oh shit! Magic the Gathering came out second because uh, I think D and D came out in the eighties, uh-huh. and uh, Magic the Gathering came out. Ah, uh, got to ninety four. So Magic the Gathering was made in ninety three. Yeah, it was like two years before I was born. Okay, I have been alive longer than Magic the Gathering. Okay, so I was not allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh-huh. Still not allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons. Because my mom thought that people who played Dungeons and Dragons were more likely to commit suicide. Because someone she she knew two people who killed themselves, and they play they happened to enjoy Dungeons and Dragons. My mom said the same thing, but I really think it's that nerds are sad because people make them sad because they get bullied. Oh, like I bullied you about buying this table. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so sad. I'm gonna throw this table away. I have away. to take you to Thoric. To what? The mental hospital around here I found out today is Thoric. No. So I can drive you there if you need to. No, I think I'm okay. But much like how Magic the Gathering is an incredibly complicated subject. Yes, so is this. So is today's subject. So uh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. This is a White Collars, Red Hands. Uh, I'm Kashan Bachelor sitting across from... Uh, the, the Nina Kern. The Nina Kern. Six feet distanced. Actually, I don't think we are. Nah, man. This This is like three. Yep. It's like a yardstick. No, but it is. That's exactly... Yes, three is a yardstick. A meter, if you will. Well, no. Those are different. Isn't three feet one meter? No, three feet is one yard. A meter is an entire different unit of measurement from the metric system that meter is based off of. I really thought that one meter also equaled three feet. It's like 38.6 inches or something. Okay. Alrighty. Okay. Uh, so, our subject today, as you've probably seen when you clicked on the episode, is the 2016 Wells Fargo cross selling scandal. Oh, I had a question for you, and I know we haven't even started, but this is really important. So, okay. you told me, and I think we talked about it on an episode, but you have told me in the past that you have cried at every musical you've ever watched. And so, did you. Cry. Yes, I did. During the music man when they sing, Oh, the Wells Fargo wagon is a coming down the street. So I haven't seen the music man. So. You never never watched it? Never seen the music man, no. Mm. Also, if it's a movie recording, I will not cry. It has to be live. Ah. So. What if it's a live recording? No. I have to see somebody. I have to like physically be there while someone is performing in the seat so that I can connect with them spiritually through the art of theater. theater. All right. So that's what's going to make me cry. Okay. 
Because I don't know where you would cry in Music Man. Take me to Music Man sometime. Find out. I would rather not. Great. I, I don't love that musical. You're really not selling it, so I can see that. All right. So anyway, Wells Fargo, tell us about it, because Sean, you're in charge this week. Yes, I am. So stop asking me when I cry at musicals <laughs> and pointing out tables and shit. Uh, so yeah, the Wells Fargo 2016 scandal, uh, we're going to take you way back. We're going to jump into time machine, take you all back to 1862. When Wells Fargo was founded, that was uh, by a man named Henry Wells and William Fargo, hence the, t- the name Wells Fargo. Uh, they were actually, fun fact, two founders of the American Express. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, still coming today. And what it was is they set up the American Express in the East, mm-hmm. and they kind of they gained a notoriety for the businesses they were doing out there. But they wanted to move to California during the gold rush. But the other guy they were with was like, that's too it's he's too. like i'd rather not though yeah he thought what the, if we didn't the market was going to crash because he thought eh, the gold rush is stupid it's not yeah. going to last there's nothing wrong. there he was wrong because well they're both still around but wells fargo was a very popular company and then we're going to get back in that time machine and we're going to go all the way back to the present uh wells fargo obviously the present yeah that's mm-hmm. uh i back think that's the, the sequel to back to the future yeah. i don't remember yeah <laughs> back to the present five with Dork and Marty. Oh, yeah, that is their names. I've only watched it well, one time. It's, it's Doc. Oh, it's fucking it's Doc and Marty. Ha, Marty easy. McFly. I was trying to make a joke. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Don't quit your day job. Thanks. Uh, so they, they've continued to grow steadily. Obviously, you know that everyone's seen a Wells Fargo on every corner. Oh, yeah, they're Not everywhere. here in Chicago. But no, if you, we'll find out later. Exactly. But you go everywhere else, there's a Wells Fargo. I actually, my first banking account was with a Wells Fargo until oh, I switched to Chase. So, you know, they grew steadily. They became a big banking power here in America. Mm-hmm. The actual way they did that, not important here. If you're really interested, go find it out. They have, like, museums that they actually own and run about their history and how they came Who is going to, to that museum? I don't know. Who but th- cares that much about Wells Fargo that they're like, I'm going to go to this museum and spend two hours of my life learning about this bank. They used to own and operate 12 before this whole thing happened, and then they shut 11 of them. So Interesting. Where are they at? Do you know? Nope. Okay. Fair. <laughs> uh, but Wells Fargo uh, was then acquired in 1998 by a company in uh, Minneapolis uh, called Norwest, mm-hmm. which is another big bank. But... They so Norwest bought Wells Fargo, but instead of enveloping them under the name Norwest, they instead chose to adopt the business they were buying's name and they took over the name Wells Fargo. Well, Wells Fargo just sounds nicer, I think. Well, now because there's been a bunch of marketing and stuff for it, but if Norwest was Wells Fargo, then it'd be like, oh yeah, Norwest, they have a bank on every corner. But now it's Wells Fargo, they have a bank on every corner. Well, listen, I I I have a bank. My bank is the Fifth Third Bank, and I think it sounds stupid. It is stupid. Banking your day a Fifth Third better. Also, it's I was very confused because I thought that they were named after the Three Fifths Compromise. And they are not. It's the other way. I know, but I was like, what the hell is wrong with this bank? It's your dyslexia showing. Mm. Also, it's an improper fraction. They do numbers, so I can't trust anyone that leaves improper fractions. Yeah, but you can have a mixed it's number. one and two-thirds. Um, so because of this acquisition, uh, Norwest is now the owner of Wells Fargo, and the head of the bank was a guy named, uh, oh, God, I'm going to butcher this, uh, <laughs> Richard Kovacevic. I'm pretty sure is what it is. Um, And he was the head of Norwest. He now became the head of Wells Fargo, which included all of the banks under the new merged bank. Uh, And he had this idea of cross-selling. So 
banks didn't really do this before banks when they would go out um to sell like or to open accounts to open Mm -hmm. credit card accounts everything they would target new customers with all of them right uh, and there would be a new marketing campaign for each one to new customers to bring them in. Yeah. But what he said is, we like, let me help you with this loan. You want to get a bank? I mean, you want to buy a house? Yeah. It's like, oh. but 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 it was all separate. Like you wouldn't have someone who was getting an account, a checking account, to be like, hey, do you also want a home? Like maybe you need a mortgage, or hey, maybe you should open a credit card with us. Yep. That that wasn't a thing. He really pioneered this idea in banking where uh, cross selling is where they'd come in and he to develop a relationship with the customer, mm-hmm. he would see what they needed beyond just what they came in for. Right. So it was to upsell them basically like in a restaurant, how someone will ask you, Oh, I uh, hate upselling. Uh, I know we both work in restaurants. So we obviously get this like, uh, Oh, you're getting a glass. Well, you do save well, money on a bottle or we do now. Oh. They'll not do it. We're going to hurt our own business. Oh, people know it's not. Yeah. Do, I mean, would you it's like, why, it's why you feature desserts. Yeah, and did you save like room for dessert? You oh know. yeah. You like some shot. You know, what would be really good with that is a glass of Chardonnay. What kind of tequila do you want in your margarita? You know? Yeah. Or you just, so you don't or get like well. a bloody Mary. Yeah. You'd what kind like, of vodka do you like in there? Or no, you'd be like, or, or you go, Oh, you like Tito Tito's in that. Don't give them an option. Just give them one. Tito's back to cross selling. Uh, this idea of of upselling these other products to people also made the idea and the flow of banking different. He never called banks banks. He called them stores. This is like when at the restaurant, when we won't call customers customers, we call them guests. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, no, they're a fucking customer. I don't want to call these people. These are not my guests. I would not invite these people to my house. No, they're, we're, we're providing a service to them. Uh, but that's how he saw this. They were called clients before. But he, he called branches stores. He called clients customers. And he called uh, bankers salespeople. So it was your job as a banker to sell products to customers rather than open up and help clients. Well, I think it is a little bit interesting because in my own personal opinion, this doesn't even, because the whole goal of this was to like get to know your client, get to know your customer and see what they need beyond this. So uh, to me, when I was like researching this and watching some things, it it seemed to me like they were trying to foster relationships with these people. But then at the same time, you're calling them a customer. So it's it's a little bit interesting. Yeah, well, that's I think that's to get people into the mentality to do that. Mm -hmm. But I actually don't have a problem with cross-selling like as a thing. No, uh, I don't either. They definitely took it too far. It's just We're going to get there, it's but done. Yeah. Or the way that they did it. Well, they even had they had stupid mottos like um oh God, going so for Gur 8 spelt with an 8 because their idea was to have each household that um had an account with them to have eight different products. I So when they said and this was something that I just want to make clear for the listener, the people who are listening to us right now. When you say eight different products, you mean eight separate bank accounts, correct? Or eight separate or credit cards or all, like all, that. all of it included a checking account, a savings account, an online banking account, um, a credit card, a insurance policy open through the bank, a mortgage, a loan okay. for anything. I guess, eight of those per household. Okay. So not per person, okay, per so household. It is a little less crazy. Then I originally thought, because originally I was like, who the heck is going to have eight of these things? But I guess if I'm sitting here, if you count mobile banking as one, I have six accounts with um, Fifth Third. 
I was like, I have two credit cards, two savings accounts, and a regular checking account. I was about to say, I just have a checking account, a savings account, a credit card, and I have, like I access mine online. But I think since then they've kind of combined all these. Yeah. But uh, Richard Kovacevic and the idea of cross-selling, I actually don't have a problem with. The person who I have a problem with is a guy named John Stumpf. Now, John Stumpf was the former senior manager of the commercial banking department of Norwest. So he oversaw all of the actual like branch banks. Um, but he later became the CEO of Wells Fargo after Richard stepped down, not amid any scandal or anything. He just, he just stepped down after he had worked there for like 25 years. He was tired. Richard needed a break. He basically just retired. Uh, and that was in 2005. And now John Stumpf would remain CEO through all of this scandal that we're about to talk about. So, uh, 11 years. And they also appointed someone in his stead for the commercial banking department. And her name was Carrie Tolstead. I don't like her. Uh, no, these are the two people that we're really going to learn to not like through this. Yeah, we don't like them. I don't hate them as much as the DuPont scandal people or the Enron people, but I still don't that bad, but they're pretty not good as well. They're shitty, but they're not villains. Now, uh, well, they're a little bit, you know what? Never mind. They suck. They're a little villains. Um, so the bank gained a lot of confidence, uh, a little bit after John Stump became CEO in 2008. Obviously we all know the recession happened. The Great Recession, fueled by banks because it was the housing market that collapsed that was because of banks. That's a whole different episode. There's a, there's a lot in there. Dude, that was scary when that happened, though. Yeah. I, I remember. I was in 10th grade. That was really scary. But Wells Fargo, after that in 2008, they were the ones who stayed the same. They didn't have a dip. They were performing better than a lot of their competitors mm-hmm. in the same Market, So they were doing a lot better than other banks because banks got hit so hard after this because yeah. I mean, they were the ones who brought it down in the first place. And anytime the economy tanks, banks tank first, too, because all their money is literally invested in the economy. That's what they do. Right. Um, and this gave them the appearance of stability and really bumped up their stock price after this. And they were seen as a rock of the banking community in America. But as we're about to find out, things aren't always what they seem. Womp womp. <laughs> so wait, don't you have a sound for that? Here, yeah, let's womp womp. <laughs> it's not exactly womp womp, but it's close enough. It's good. No, yeah. Um so like I said, I don't have a problem with cross selling as it stands. You know, but where Wells Fargo took it too far is that they really pushed this going for great mm-hmm. number. And yep. they were so worried about numbers and making sure they met numbers for this cross-selling that they imposed quotas on individual bankers and branches to open a certain amount of accounts per day. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) We'll get to it in a minute. Uh, and, And here's the thing. If the employee didn't meet these quotas that were set, the short sell, so whatever they didn't get to, whatever was left over, would be pushed to the next day. It's a bad rollover system. Ex- exactly, it's, it's a shitty rollover. But this not is not fun. Stuff, yeah, this like is like this is like if you had a certain amount of kicks in the balls you had to get every year, and then at the end of the year, if you didn't get kicked in the balls three times, you know, you only got kicked in the balls twice. Now you got to get kicked in the balls four times the next year. I don't have balls. But yeah, but you get it. I do because one time my brother need me really hard in the vulva. And holy shit, that hurt. I had a huge bruise on my hoo-ha. 
And then my mom. Ugh, don't tell me that. Yeah, I don't want to imagine your like, blue waffle. Like, well, ew, it wasn't a blue waffle. Even though these numbers uh, would roll over, they were also incredibly high to begin with. Uh, yeah. Sometimes mathematically impossible to reach as high as 20 accounts per day. Yeah, so it wasn't exactly this, but one of the things I was watching, they interviewed a woman who was a banker, and she was talking about how, you know, they wanted every single customer in the Wells Fargo Bank to have um, eight accounts, like we just talked about. Yeah. But they didn't take into account, like, population size of where they were at. So if you're in a, if you're a banker in New York City, this isn't, like, a crazy number. It's pretty possible, but where she was at... Um, She's somewhere in California, but it was a small little town in California and only had 5,000 people in it. Yeah. She's like, well, everybody is supposed to open. They were supposed to open eight new accounts a day. There was five bankers, so that means 40 a day, but the population was only like 5,000 people. Yeah, you and can't do it. And she did the math. She was like, in 125 days, every like we would have reached our quota. And that's if everybody in that town had a Wells Fargo account. Yeah, it's impossible. And the thing is, is like if they didn't meet these requirements, they were like basically pushed to stay late to try and open more or they had to work on the weekend so they can try and sell more to meet like weekly quotas to get over their short sell. And if they still didn't meet numbers, they could be faced with termination. You know, they could be like, go. And not only that, there was negative side to it as well. Like, yes, you could be let go if you didn't meet the numbers. But I don't know if that's as important as the fact that they were offering bonuses to them. But, but like, a lot. So like, Yeah, it bran- was, like, huge percentages of their paycheck. Yeah, branch managers or uh, individual bankers could make bonuses upwards of 15% of their salary every year. That is insane. That is a huge bonus. Yeah, and the thing is, they were giving I'm do some math. They were giving them these incentives to open these accounts, mm-hmm. but they weren't worried about how they were doing it. There was no oversight with how they were doing it. They were only worried about results, and that gets you into a problem because if you give people the opportunity for a reward without monitoring how they get to it, right? You're going to have some shady shit going on. Yeah, something is going to happen. And the that being said, though, that wasn't all of it. I mean, the fact that they could get terminated was a big thing. There was a lot of stress working at Wells Fargo. It was a very stressful job at this time because you had to meet these numbers, and if not, you could get fired. Well, and like we were just saying about that story about the lady who worked in a town of only 5,000 people, it's like, well, you can get terminated for not meeting expectations, but it's it, it, her hands are tied. Yeah. These people's hands are tied. They can't, it's not, they're not in a city with millions of people. They're in a city with yeah. a handful of people. It's open the, it's find the numbers, open the accounts or get fired. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. And I mean, people, there were, you know, reports of people crying at work frequently. Okay. Which, I cry at work all the time. I was about to say, but not everyone who works at Wells Fargo was a Nina, you know? So it's like uh, some people are crying. I literally cried in the cooler two weeks ago. She did. I was there. I cried to Kashan. <laughs> um, there was stress vomiting, and there was also one report that someone literally drank hand sanitizer regularly at work to get over the stress, which I think something's wrong with that person specifically. Well, they were like, there's alcohol in this. I can't get in trouble because this is a thing I'm allowed to have at work. See, that's what I'm saying, though. So something's wrong with that al- person specifically. Alcohol. I don't know if that's Wells Fargo's fault. That seems a little bit When I have substitute, th- I have had children, when I've been substitute teaching, drink hand sanitizer. That's fucking dirty, bruh. I mean, it's they, clean. Your insides are going to be clean. 
I'm like, don't drink the hand sanitizer. What are we doing? As far as Donald Trump that said, that is how to cure COVID. Just drink some hand sanitizer. You're fine. Did he really? That's a whole separate thing. Oh, we'll get into shoot. it later. Uh, but be, because of this, people had to start cheating to meet these quotas. And which, cheaters, they never win. <laughs> they don't. Cheaters never prosper. Nope. Unless you're Barry Bonds and you still have a bunch of records in baseball. But that's also fine. I um, don't know who that is. Bruh. Uh, <laughs> I, don't. Uh, I don't baseball. And this is the heart of the scandal, is that because these numbers were put on to meet these quotas for cross-selling, Starting as early as 2002, but definitely by 2011, employees were using their computer system to find people that were pre-approved for lines of credit and then using the information in there to open checking accounts, savings accounts, credit cards, online accounts, and insurance policies without them knowing. But don't you get mailed a credit card? Yes, they would purposely put their own contact information. The banker would put their own contact information. Oh, holy moly. I did not realize that. No, actually. their own address specifically so that the people that they were opening it would never find out, or at least it would be really hard. And if someone did find out, they would say that it was a minimal error. It was a banking error due to the computer system, and they'd close the account immediately. So it didn't matter if the account stayed open. They just had to open accounts. Yes. That's so stupid. Yes. And this, it gets even worse. This sometimes involved moving money from their legitimate accounts to these new accounts to make sure that they stayed open because usually you have to put a certain amount of money in it. Or they would do a, something called pinning where they would purposely set the pin to zero, 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 zero to these people's accounts so that they could get into client accounts easier to manipulate them in this way. <gasps> That's bad. Yeah, the, you can't do that. <laughs> they they ab- did that's though. illegal, that's Wells Fargo. Wells, that's illegal. illegal. Uh, they went as far as to enroll homeless people, like legit homeless people. Well, how'd they even get their info? Their info is like banks have access to a lot of information that the people, yellow pages that people give freely, and I think that's how they did it. Um, but, that's so shitty. And they enrolled them in fee accruing financial products. So like things that gain fees on them. They're homeless. Exactly. So of course they don't know what's happening either. They don't have a place where they can receive mail a lot. So even if they did yeah, put something, they're homeless. they wouldn't know. And they would also, they would get their family to sign up for accounts just to meet numbers. Yeah. They would no, sign up for that, accounts, like yeah. multiple things just to reach it. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. The lady that was interviewed, uh, they interviewed her sister and she's like, yeah, she called all of us and made us open accounts, and we're like, really, Janine? I think her name was Janine. Uh, and now, from 2011 to 2016, the first estimates said that about 1.5 million accounts were opened without the knowledge of clients it's that the so accounts many. were under. It also estimated about 500,000 credit cards that were also fraudulently opened. But later estimates that came out of March of 2017 claimed that the amounts were actually closer to 3.5 million, more than double what that original estimate was. It's bonkers. And it's bananas, I tell you, bananas. Bananas. No, no, but for real though, that is craziness. And this this took a long time to come out, obviously. This, has yeah. been, this was happening for like five years at the shortest. But that being said, in 2013, the LA Times did run an article that reported the intense pressure that branch managers and individual bankers were put to to meet quotas and said that it was crazy 
you know, like they couldn't make it. They ran this whole article about Wells Fargo and how they were pushing their employees to the brink to meet these numbers. And Wells Fargo did respond in quotation marks. Uh, they basically said that, oh, we're going to set up a hotline where people can call to make sure that everything's go that they're opening them correctly. Um, and that they know that in their handbook, it says that if you like if you open something without their permission that it's a breach of integrity to them and that yeah, it was but like, given who to reads, them who reads the handbook you should read the ha- i read the handbook you should read the handbook that's because you're a nerd oh my people god people who play magic at the gathering read the handbook are trustworthy handbook. employees oh, yeah, yeah, read- yeah you're right we're good people thank you nina if it doesn't have bullet points i'm not reading it oh my god it has, probably does have bullet points it's a handbook Smoothie King, they gave me a 600-page handbook. You think I'm going to read that whole thing? I was 17 years old. No, I'm not going to read it. Oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding me? And then I got in trouble because I peeled the bananas wrong. I don't even want to know how you peel a banana wrong. Well, they were... So they wanted you to, like, clip the so ends off of Because there's a little seed on the end of the banana that will not blend properly. If you don't clip that off, it'll be, like, big in the bottom of the smoothie. And so that's why I was starting to get in trouble. Great. Quit doing it. You fucked up smoothies. How do you feel? They ended up closing. And all my friends at college, made not college, high school, made fun of me because they said I was such a shitty employee. They couldn't just fire me. They had to close the entire business. This hotline that was set up (laughs) was actually not even effective for Wells Fargo. All right. Because the thing is, is if someone would call the hotline, a lot of the times, whatever they said or the tips they gave people that were opening or the tips they were giving about people that were opening these accounts, they weren't heeded. Nothing was ever done for it. Wait, or so the hotline sorry, was ahead. for the employees or for people opening the account? It was for the employees to call in people that were opening were like, fraudulent hey, accounts. I'm confused. Oh, it was to rat on people. Yes. Oh. It was a it was a like snitch hotline. Snitches get stitches, man. I wouldn't have called either. Which they would call but if they called saying hey something's going on we can't or they would say like we can't meet the numbers like what you're putting on us is too much Mm -hmm. they didn't change anything and they they were like sucks to suck and people were terminated because of this they would go so far as like people would be let go if they called in to to point something out about the business and even the branch managers went all the way up to carrie tolstead this six thousand branch managers she was getting a bunch of a bunch of complaints about how the numbers and quotas they're imposing on people are completely impossible to reach. She received multiple complaints, and the whole time, the numbers never changed. She said, well, make them. Carrie, that's not kind. Carrie. And they even showed that John Stumpf was presented a finding that 1% of their employees a year were being fired uh, for breaching cross-selling account strategies for making these fake accounts or doing something uh, inappropriate to modify their numbers. And he was like, oh, that's fine. It's only 1% because 99% of people are doing it correctly, which is something he will say forever. 99% of people were doing it okay. 1% is a lot of people to fire every year because you're finding them doing something wrong. How many people are you not finding? Especially at that large of a level like that. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Because I bet you 1% of people from our job probably get fired in a year. 
And after this news broke of the scandal, there were also three whistleblowers from Prudential, which is a life insurance company that came out saying, yo, they're also selling life. They're opening life insurance policies for people without their permission. And they're also opening renter's insurance policies through Assurant, a different uh, insurance company, also without their permission. And what did Prudential do? Nothing. They fired the whistleblowers. They fired the people that that said something was wrong, which is what I hate that about is, corporate America. Well, it's a that's got it's got to be illegal. You, I, there's no way you can legally fire someone for that. But like, how are you going to fight that? Depends know? on the state. If it's a right to work state, you can fire people for a lot of reasons, and this would probably be one. Be like, okay, well, that's defamation. You're fired. Isn't that also a word for poop? Defecation. Ah, yeah, that one. All right. Um, but how, how did all of this become public knowledge? Because at this point, I'm sure that everyone who's listening to this, you've probably heard about this at some point. Oh, yeah. This was recent. Yeah, it became big. It was big. a big old thing. And it was big in 2016. And what brought it to light is that the uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or the CFPB, uh, first announced a fine. They did an investigation after uh, the L.A. Times report came out. And by 2016, uh, they concluded that uh, people had made all these false accounts and they're the ones who first released this, the number of 1.5 million uh, accounts that were created falsely. And they fined Wells Fargo in 2016 for $185 million. And that was the first time anyone had really heard of it. It's a lot of, well, you know what? It's really not that much, though. No, absolutely not. And we're going to get this into... This is like when DuPont got fined like $16 million. million when they're a $25 billion company. Yeah, like, a- annual profit. Yeah. Yeah, this is like this. It's just like, oh, okay. It's literally almost the same thing except for... It's just pocket change. Except for worse. Because the thing was, is I think um, $25 billion was DuPont's um, income. Yeah. But not their profit. So well, uh-huh. Wells Fargo is a $20 billion a year profit Holy company. What? Yes. And they only got fined 185? And they did get fined more. We're going to get into all of the fines okay, later. Yeah, this is only like, the first on. one. But yes, this was this was definitely a slap on the wrist. Y'all needed to be shut down. And they did they did say uh 115,000 of the accounts, the 1.5 million accounts all of the ones that were open, only 115,000 occurred incurred fees because that was the thing is people started noticing this because they were getting fees right. on credit cards they never opened, on accounts they never opened. Yeah, and they're like, what the heck? Yeah, and they're like, I never opened this. What the hell? And a lot of the times they would forgive it, but it kept happening so much that finally someone looked into it and the fees totaled $2 million is what they they falsely charged people on these accounts that were opened without their knowledge. I will never have that much money. Right after they announced this, they did discontinue quotas mm-hmm. in all of the branches. And then they released this marketing campaign where they were like, you know what? It is our fault. But, and I quote, the fraud is not a result of an intentional strategy. And that's going to be their thing. They're that's gonna, a lie. They're going to they're gonna blame this on the individuals, which is crazy because they're the ones who set up the going for great that put all this pressure on the employees. But once it came out that they were cheating to make the numbers that they were uh, put under without them getting terminated, or maybe some people were doing it for the bonuses. They blamed it all on the people. They said, it's not us. It's them. They were the bad actors. That's what they do. Yeah. Well, they also, that's what companies do. They're like, Oh, I implemented this shitty thing. It's their fault. 
Yeah, oh. They did it. Yeah, it's like, but they don't understand. It's like, yeah, that was that was a shitty policy that put a lot of pressure on these people that forced them to this. It it's is, not like they were gonna do this anyway. It's like at Cracker Barrel when I worked there, and they would pre-make tons of biscuits because they would stun the cooks home early, and then they would get rock hard, and then we would get in trouble for selling hard biscuits. It's like that. Yes, it's not these people's fault. It's like biscuits. Life is like a bunch of biscuits. You never know what part's going to be hard. Uh, so Wells Fargo fired 5,300 employees in the wake of the fine, and they took no responsibility to senior management. Uh, Strumpf did not step down as CEO and chairman. Um, there was no clawbacks for their pay, which was something they could do by now, which is where they can take money on the bonuses they earned under this time. They made so much bonuses. It yes. was so many bonuses. Well, because that's the thing. Their stock was going up. Yeah, so they were making all these bonuses. Yeah, because this whole time, they're showing investors and analysts, hey, look at our cross-sale numbers going up. Yeah. They had this every quarter when Strumpf would get on an investor's call. Mm -hmm. He would say, we've reached a new record on cross-sale accounts. Uh, Households have an average of... 5.5 5.5 accounts per household. This is great. Yeah. And then it was 5.8. And then it was 6. And then it was 6.1 is the highest it got to the last one. Got to get to great. What is it? Great? Eight. Going for great. Going for great. Which, by the way, I think it's funny. In one of those calls, he he basically said the only reason they chose eight is because it rhymed with great. Yeah. He said I, that I specifically. That. He's like, oh, well, we chose it because it rhymes with great. So like you didn't put any other factor into account. Like you're an idiot. Nope. He literally said we should change it soon to uh, let's do it again. Let's go for 10. <laughs> like right after that. That was the next sentence. Um, the only fallout from all of this, though, is that Carrie Tolstead did resign from her position. Poor Carrie. But she got a payout of one hundred and twenty four million dollars at the time of her resignation. It's mere pocket change, Kashan. I wish I was $124 million worth of pocket change. You wish you had $124 in general. Honestly, uh, in my checking account, I wish I had that much money in there right now. But I have tips I have to put in. So this move garnered a lot of criticism uh, from the U.S. government specifically because they realized that they blamed it all on the employees and there was absolutely nothing done at upper level management. So they had a Senate hearing. That was led by uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who you might I recognize love from. Her. <laughs> I'm sure uh, you might recognize from her uh, run for president cool recently. That unfortunately did not get her past the primary, but she did mm-hmm. run for but president. Um, and I have I have a little clip to play. This was with Trump. They've brought in the CEO to have this. Let's do that. Since this massive years long scam came to light, you have said repeatedly, quote, I am accountable. But what have you actually done to hold yourself accountable? Have you resigned as CEO or chairman of Wells Fargo? The board, I serve at the... Have you resigned? No, I have not. All right. Have you returned one nickel of the millions of dollars that you were paid while this scam was going on? Well, first of all, this was by 1% of our people. and That's not my question. My question is about responsibility. Have you returned one nickel of the millions of dollars that you were paid while this scam was going on? The, the board will take care Have of that. Have you returned one nickel 
of the money you earned while this scam was going on. And and the board will do. I will take that as a no then. So there's that argument. It's like this was one percent of our people, but we've already covered that the procedures they put in place, the policies they put in place drove people to this. And he didn't give back any of the money. He didn't resign. Nothing happened to him specifically, even though he and Carrie Tolsett oversaw the branches and these policies. They were the ones who put it in place yeah, as senior level managers. Like, are we surprised? I'm not. No. But that being said, this uh, Senate hearing was really a good thing because this right after this, uh, they decided Wells Fargo to impose that Trump would give up forty one million dollars in unvested stock that he controlled, which is a way that uh, senior level management of big companies can like control bad actors yeah. in Wall Street and other things is that they have these in place in their contract that they can do this if there was some like bad acting on their part while they were in the company. And they also clawed back. They took back $28 million that he earned while the practice was going on and 19 million from Kerry Tolstat. It's just still not enough. It's not because he made during uh, this time, his stock increased by $200 million. The stock that he had in his like uh, 401k or that he had personally invested in the company grew by 200 million. And they only clawed back 28 million because of this. But a lot of the reasons the stock was going up was partially because of these these false right. metrics exactly. that they were pumping to shareholders and analysts that were uh, valuing the price of their stock higher and higher when really it wasn't always right. The money Wells Fargo uh, has been forced back or has been forced to pay back rather is numerous. And there's so many fines that they incurred from this that it's really hard. To keep track. There's a shit ton and yeah. it's happened over five years and they're just they keep adding more. So I'm going to go down. I'm just going to say a couple of the big ones. So they had to give six point one million dollars back to customers directly in refunds for fees incurred on these accounts that they opened plus damages. They also uh, paid one hundred and forty two million in customer compensation from a class action suit that was brought against them because of the accounts that were opened. Uh, there was a $480 million lawsuit from the shareholders, a settlement there that they had to pay out because they felt cheated because they were being uh, pumped false metrics and investing when maybe they shouldn't have been. And then also they were they settled a uh, 50 state attorney general suit for $575 million, which I didn't even know this was a thing, but literally it's where all the states sue a company together. Oh, nice. So, like, all 50 states oh my God, sued them in one suit. Would that be? Could you imagine being sued by all 50 states? I've never even been sued. Nope. Holy moly. It's a first for everything, Nina. I'll find I something to sue you sued. over. Uh, oh, I know what you could sue me over. I stole a pen out of your locker. Wanting to that look in your eye when you want to grab my butt? No. You're I, giving it to me right now? Stop. I stole a pen out of your Stop. locker at work. You fucking suck. I knew someone did it. My locker kept being open, and I was like, my pens are not, gone. I didn't open the locker. Mm-hmm. When I walked Then you didn't in, steal it from my locker, did you? You stole it from adjacent to my locker. It was The pens were still inside the locker. Was it but, open? Yeah, the locker was open. Fuck. See, it someone opened it. It opened, and I was like, oh, look at all these pens. It's Kashan's. I'm going to take one. Someone opened it to steal them, well, and then you also stole them. And uh, you should get a lock for your locker. Oh, my God. It's called a locker. It locks in the name. I don't need a lock. Well, then <laughs> you're not, not going to have pens. But in 2018, Wells Fargo had already paid $2.3 billion in settlements. So with the 50-state attorney general settlement, that totaled just over $3 billion. But like I said... 
three million is only a couple months of profit for Wells Fargo. Right. You know? And that being said, it wasn't done. In February 2020, Wells Fargo settled with the Department of Justice and the Securities Exchange Commission, which had been doing their own private investigation, which Elizabeth Warren actually called for in this trial that they should be investigated as well. And they did. And she did a really good job in that trial. Yeah, she she was really she spearheaded this event. Yeah, she and, did a good. She I, did a good job. I got I got to give Elizabeth Warren props. She really got after him in this, and I'm you really should. happy that she did. Uh, but that settlement was another three billion dollars for all the criminal and civil litigation that could be brought up against them after this. So this is not just the class action lawsuit, but individuals suing them after this. They settled just everything for another three billion dollars, but. While it protected the company from future litigation, it didn't prevent individual actors in the scandal from future litigation. And the reason they did that was because in November 2020, just a few months later, the SEC filed civil charges against Trump and Tolstad, accusing them of misrepresenting uh, the performance metrics to investors officially. And because of this, the Treasury fined them uh, $25 million to carry Tolstad. She got fined $25 million. And uh, John Strumpf got fined $17.5 million and agreed to a lifetime ban from banking. I was happy about that because there's been so many other instances, especially like when we uh, – the one that comes to mind is when we did the episode about Enron is when he – I can't remember his name because I don't remember anything we talk about, but – he was allowed. Stallings, John Stallings. Yes, he was allowed to go back and run that and kind of. Stallings. Yeah, something like that. But he was allowed to go back and basically run the same thing. He can run a private business. Right, he, but he, he can still is, run a private business. He can't business. sit on a on a public business. Yeah, but this guy can't do anything, and I like that. Yeah. Well, with well, banking. he can't do banking. But yeah. I don't think he has a lifetime ban from sitting on the board of a public company, though. Which is what a lot. That's like what Martha Stewart can't do. Right. When we went over her, she can't sit on the board of a public company. Well, that's fine. Or I she just couldn't don't for want two years. To do anything with banking? Which he can't. So perfect. And it didn't even go that far. California and Chicago. So woo, woo. this is a reason that you really don't see a lot of Wells Fargo's in Chicago. But you will see as soon as you drive out of Chicago, there is a Wells yeah. Fargo. It's in Skokie. Yeah, they're all around, just not in Chicago. But California and Chicago suspended any relationship with the bank for two years. And many other cities followed suit, Philly, Seattle, Illinois. A lot of these places used Wells Fargo for their payroll or for some aspect of the city banking that they had to do. And they cut them all out for at least two years. And it really harmed their relationship with Wells Fargo forever because they've already moved on to someone else. I don't see them going back to Wells Fargo for a very long time. Oh, no, absolutely Unless they're forced to. And also, even worse, uh, the Navajo Nation also sued Wells Fargo because they claimed that they told elderly Navajo Nation members who did not speak English that they needed a savings account to cash checks, which is not a thing. You need a checking account, but they were getting them to open a savings account as well to cash a check with Wells Fargo. So they were also doing this in California um, with undocumented workers. They like were swindling them into getting accounts. Yeah, they were preying on people to be yeah. like, oh, you need to open an account to do some basic banking function. Yeah, and this woman was talking about how they even told her, because, like, I guess her bank was really near where a bunch of these farmers would um, get rounded up for the day. I, yeah. I don't know how to, else to describe it. Like, where a bunch of these farmers like, get rounded well, up for the day. Well, they all would meet in a parking lot, and then they'd take them to go pick grapes. And so... <laughs> 
That's what they did. He's and describing a Home Depot. Uh, yeah, uh, literally. But they were like, oh, yeah, Janine. I'm just going to call her Janine because I don't remember her name. They're like, Janine, go out there, unbutton your shirt, raise your skirt a little bit, and get them to come in here because they'll come in here if you do that. So it was really shitty what they were doing. Ugh. Yikes, that's she disgusting. She didn't do it, but she did it. And you know. That's good at least. Yeah, but you know what else is just really frustrating is that no one served any jail time for this. No. Uh, but just to uh, put a pin in this cushion, yeah, they did settle this for $6.5 million. Yeah. And yet no one in the scandal, no one has served prison time. And that's why we really need to implement stricter laws that if people commit this kind of action, that there needs to be prison time for these senior officials, not just clawbacks, right. not just fines by the Treasury, not just lifetime bans from whatever business they're in, but actual jail time right. that teaches people that this is something that we take seriously mm-hmm. because they're manipulating the American system. They can cause incredible damage to the economy. Right. Like no one from the 2008 uh, like mortgage loan housing bubble that worked at the banks that caused it ever went to prison either and they literally caused irreparable damage to our economy for a while yeah you know it it's crazy it, it is and then it's also just frustrating because it's like who do you blame do you actually blame the employee for doing these things or do you blame the top uh, i i think we've we've proven that it was procedural and that it was the senior management well, right, that allowed right. this to happen allowed it to uh, perpetrate and to persist right. Yeah, but it's just hard when you're making arrests. It's like, who do you actually yeah. arrest? Well, I think in their contracts, it needs to be like, you're going to be held accountable if, if this is proven. Right. And, and I think that this is probably could have been proven. That this is what it was. Yeah. Now, it did affect Wells Fargo at least a little bit beyond those fines. Uh, in 2017, uh, their first quarter profits were down. So Wells Fargo announced that they were closing 400 of its 6,000 branches by the end of 2018, which I'm pretty sure did end up happening going through. And uh, the Federal Reserve set a cap on Wells Fargo's holdings, which I didn't even know that was something they could impose on banks, but they can't hold more than $2 trillion in capital at any one point, which that's a big number. It's a huge number, but... That's a lot. But everyone around them, they've stayed stagnant at the same amount of capital, but all of the other popular banks in America since 2016 or 2018 when this was imposed on them is higher. Yeah. And they have that cap put on them until they can prove to the Federal Reserve that they have fixed these procedures Mm -hmm. and that they're going to act correctly. So that could take however long. I think they have to appeal to somebody who will then tell them it's okay to go. Right. And like I said, though... Most of this don't matter. Wells Fargo is doing fine. They released no, a bunch. Fine. They they've been rebranding. They released a bunch of marketing campaigns to say like you you can trust us now because we've learned from our past mistakes. Don't believe it. It's no, bullshit. It's they bullshit. have not learned they from their not, past they mistakes. Don't care. They don't the, give a shit. They don't care about you. They no, want no no comp- no big company like that cares about you. They want your they money. They don't care about you. They're a fuckboy. They are fuck boy. Uh, they are a fuck. No, but they are. They're fuck boys. Yeah, they're the fuck boys of banks. They're like, oh my god, look at all these things I'm going to do for you. Oh my god, you're so pretty. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, your banking account is going to oh go crazy. And now then, give me that money. God, I hate when you make that noise. Stop. Um, I think Elizabeth Warren though actually put a really nice pin in the cushion at the end of her interview with CEO Trump. So I'd like to play that for us right now. In 2008, Wall Street promised change. But it looks like it is business as usual. A giant bank 
cheats the little guys, and the executives line their own pockets. Mr. Stumpf, you make it clear that Wall Street won't change until we make it change. Thank you. So I, I think that puts a nice little pin in the cushion. That it it's, does. You know, they're not going to change until we make them change, and I think that we need to impose the things that we said to keep things like this from happening in the future. I'm with her. So the banking system in America is messed up. Um, and that that's kind of the end of our story. They're still yeah. they're still up. They've had all those fines. We'll see if they change business in the future. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Um, I did want to read uh, one of our reviews that we got in. This is from uh, Wizard of the Red. It's titled Excited. Oh, God. Uh, what a fun idea for a podcast. I'm really looking forward to seeing where this podcast goes. The hosts have such great energy. So thank you so much, Wizard of the Red. That's really nice. Um, Actually, we- sorry. I, I was shitting on your name. That was a very nice thing to say. Thank you for not criticizing my voice. Thank you for not saying that I sound like I'm reverberating off a toilet bowl. Thank you for not saying that I sound ugly. Thank you. Or that our banter, that our banter sounds like um, high school girls gossiping. That's a new one. I don't know if you read it. I did not. Um, hey, high school girls gossiping. First of all, have you never listened to high school girls gossiping? Because that tea is boiling. Uh, honestly, you shouldn't. I don't think you should really be listening to high school girls gossiping unless you're a high school girl. But if you're our age and you're listening to high school girls gossiping, something's wrong with right, your life. As someone who works <coughs> in schools and is forced to hear these girls gossip sometimes... It's really interesting. That's fair. Uh, But please, guys, if you could go out and just leave us an honest review. Uh, Most of our listeners are on iTunes, so we'd love for you to drop by, leave an honest review, um, and rate us star-wise, and maybe we'll read your review in the future. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, If you have suggestions, please send them to uh, whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. We love suggestions. We love suggestions. Uh, You can follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash whitecollarsredhands. You can follow our Twitter at whitecollarpod. You can follow our Instagram at whitecollars underscore redhands. So uh, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week on another episode of White White Collars, Collars, Red Red Hands. Hands.